0: The book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5 today. Uh, If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up on the screen for you. Uh, in, In Ephesians chapter 5, what we have to understand is that this is an extension of what we already learned in chapter 4. Remember, this is a letter. The book of Ephesians is a letter written by Paul to the church in Ephesus. There weren't chapters. There weren't verses. It was just a letter, okay? And so what we've done, people have added these chapters and these verses to help us out, which is amazing. But what it does in our minds is that it kind of breaks it all up. But really, this is just one letter that flows pretty well. And so what we're going to learn today is an extension of what we learned last week in chapter 4, which remember, Paul was urging us to walk worthy of our calling to which we have been called, right? Paul wants us to walk worthy, and we looked at what that actually means. And today is an extension of that idea that as Christ followers... We must walk worthy. So what does that look like? So we're going to see that today in chapter 4. Paul is talking about the practical application of what we believe. The practical application. So like living out what we actually believe. And so in chapter 5, verse 1, we see that word therefore again. If you were with us last week, we learned what the word therefore meant. It means because of. And so whenever you get to a a verse that has therefore in it, you have to kind of go back to check out why he's saying the word therefore. And in this context, all we have to do is go back one verse to the last verse in chapter 4. And so what Paul says in the last verse of chapter 4, the last half of the verse, he says, Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. So, this is a really important statement because Paul is jogging our memories. He's reminding us of the living hope that we have through Jesus. And it's through Jesus that we have been forgiven of our sins, of our trespasses. So, because of this, what should we do? Because God, through Christ, has forgiven us, what's our next step? What does God want from us? Well, that's what we see in Ephesians 5, 1. Because God through Christ has forgiven you, we must imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. Because you are his dear children. This is a pretty tough verse to really think about. Because it might be kind of hard to imitate God in our lives because obviously we are not God and we will never be God. And so what is Paul trying to say in that word imitate? That word imitate is a little tough in our context because we have a lot of different definitions. It's a word that's kind of defined in different ways. But Paul is not saying to merely mimic God like a child mimics their parents. And so for those of you that don't know, at our household, we have some pretty epic dance parties, all right? So we like to just b- bump the music, we, we go in the living room, and we just all dance. My kids love it, all five of them, all right? And so we're dancing away. When my kids were younger, you know what they would do? They would mimic my pretty awesome dance moves, okay? They would mimic it, and when they were little, it was endearing, it was cute, it was really flattering that they would mimic me, but now as they're aging, now they're just straight up mocking me, right? <laughs> they 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 do my dance moves, but it's not an endearing thing. It actually hurts my feelings, but totally kidding. You see, that's, that's mimicking, okay? That's not what Paul's saying here in Ephesians 5.1. You want know, to know why? Because when my... When my children mimic my dance move, they're trying to do that. That's not their normal behavior. And Paul does not want us to simply try harder as Christians. Because let me tell you, the gospel is never about us trying harder. The gospel is all about the good news of Jesus. Our salvation is all about what Jesus has already done for us. Okay? And so he's not saying, pull up your bootstraps. He's not saying, try your hardest to mimic God. Instead, he wants us to simply imitate God. So it goes deeper than this idea of mimicking. On a very deep level, he wants us to do something very specific. He wants us to follow in the footsteps that God has set before us through his son, Jesus. And he wants us to do this so that we can reflect him in character and conduct because we're his children. Do You see that there? He wants us to imitate God. He wants us to follow in his footsteps. He wants us to reflect him in character and conduct because we are his children. So instead of this idea of mimicking, I want you to picture a foot of snow outside on this 65-degree day. When I was a kid, my dad, our car was here, and it was pretty far from the house. And so when there was a bunch of snow, I lived in Michigan, there was a bunch of of snow. What he would do is he would go before us, and he would make footprints in the snow, right? And as kids, then we're trying to jump in those footprints to get to the house so that we walk in the snow. That's what Paul wants us to do. Not to just try harder outside of our behavior. Paul says, imitate God, or in other words, walk in the footsteps that God has already set before us through his son, Jesus. And we're to do that because we're his children. He's our father. He loves us. He cares for us. Right in the Old Testament, we read that our names were graven on his hands, which means all of us, our faults, our failures, who we are, our personalities, everything about us, he knows and loves because we are his children. You see, God has forgiven us through Christ. And because of that, we've been adopted into his family, which is the greatest privilege of salvation. I want you to just think about that for a moment, this idea of adoption. We all know what adoption is these days. We all understand this, of being grafted into a family we weren't born into. If you have faith in Christ, that's who you are and that's who I am. We've been adopted. We've been grafted in. So because of that, because we've been forgiven through Christ, because of that, we need to imitate God. So you have to ask the question, why does Paul say this today? Why does Paul say this to the church in Ephesus, and why is he saying it to you and me today? Because he knows that there there are times in our life when we are going to go and make our own path through the snow, aren't we? There are times in life when the example has been set before us through Christ, and yet, because of our natural sinful desires, we want to make our own path and walk in a different example specifically the example of the world. Paul wants us to live up to the full potential that we are through Christ or that we could be through Christ. And that's why he's reminding of this, of this verse right here today. Imitate God in everything you do, in everything you do, because you are his children. So chapter 5 is pretty amazing because he starts off with this verse, and then he gives us three ways in which we can imitate God. And so the first way that we can imitate God today is we can live in love. We can live in love. Look at verse 2, Ephesians 5, verse 2. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. There's your example again. The greatest example we will ever see, we will ever hear about, the greatest example we have to embrace He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And so Paul wants us to imitate God. And so the first way we can do that is by walking. I like how the ESV says it. It says walking in love. So the footprints that Jesus has set before us are these footprints of love and we are to follow in them. Paul wants us to live a life filled of love, and that word love here, we know, is this idea of agape love, which is the highest form of love that you find in the scriptures, and agape love is this idea of unconditional love, which means no conditions. It's not a contract. Jesus didn't say, hey, as long as you do this, then I will love you. That's a condition. That's not the love of Christ. He's talking about agape love here, and we see the greatest example of this agape love is the sacrifice of Jesus for you and for me. That's the greatest example of love that we can ever see in our lives. How many of you are suckers for a good love story? Right? A lot of you, right? A lot of you are like, all right, that's me. Even some of you guys out there, you're watching those chick flicks. I know it, Okay. I get it. You see, a lot of us are suckers for this. Why? Why does it hit us so deeply? Well, it's simple, because our hearts yearn for that kind of love. Our hearts yearn for an unconditional love, a redemptive love. And yet, when we read Scripture, we see time and time again that we have that redemptive love right at our hands through Jesus. And that's the type of love that God wants us to walk in. That's the example that Jesus has set before us but you know what because we're sinners because we like to make our own paths paul goes on to list a few things that we do instead of walking in love we do a few other things he continues in chapter 5 so this is, remember, he's flowing here, okay? So he's, imitate God because God has set this example for you. Do it, do it because you're his children. And also, you need to walk in love because Jesus has done this and sacrificed his life for you. And then he goes to verse 3. So it's all connected, okay? So don't, don't, don't separate the two, all right? So verse 3, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or agreed among you such sins have no place among God's people. Remember, Paul's really honing in on this idea that there's God's children, there's God's people, we're going to see later, there's God's citizens of his kingdom, right? So he's he's differentiating the world versus those who follow Christ, all right? And so he says, for you who follow Christ, we need to walk in love, but you're naturally going to want to walk in your own paths and you know, three of the very paths that you are naturally going to want to walk in are these three. Isn't that so true? Why, Why do we want to walk in these? Why is Paul contrasting the love of Christ with these three types of sins, which he goes on to list more? It's actually very simple. It's because sexual immorality, impurity, greed, you know what they do? They are the opposite of Christ's love, and they are three things that are going to cause you to love yourself More than God and more than others. Simple. It's that simple. We have the example of Christ. He's set before us. And yet we want to take these paths in sexual immorality, impurity, greed. So sexual immorality is anything outside of what Scripture lays out. Impurity is filthiness. Okay? And then greed is obviously wanting more than others even when you don't have a need those are three things that become selfish love. And when you walk in those things, you're going to begin to love those things more than God and more than others. And we know the greatest commandment in the scriptures, the two greatest commandments, is to what? Love God and love others. And we love God and we love others the way that Christ has loved us. Because he is the example. And so Paul wants us to understand that we need to walk in love, and yet our natural bent is going to want to follow our own paths, to love ourselves more than we love God than we love others. If you're sitting there and you're like, man, I'm doing really well. I don't struggle with any of those. First of all, Second of all, he continues on and lists a few more things, okay? He goes further. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Again, not for you. Who's he talking about? He's talking to the church. These aren't for you. If you follow Christ, they're not for you, all right? Again, if you think you don't fall into those first three things, we've all done this, haven't we? Every single one of us, we've all done this. And why are these three things not loving? Well, we've all been on the giving end and also the receiving end of these as well. And how much does that hurt other people? How much does that hurt God? And usually those obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes relate to sexual immorality, impurity, and greed, right? Those are usually where the the jokes kind of land. You see, what Paul's trying to say is that all of us, no matter who we are, have this natural bent to walk in selfish love. And yet, as Christ's followers, he wants us to walk in the example of Christ's love. And Christ loved his Father. And Christ loved us so much that he gave his life. For you and for me. And three days later, he resurrected in victory so that we may have eternal life. That's how much Jesus loves you. That's the example that we must follow in life. So we need to walk in love. So ask yourself the question Am I living in love? Am I living in love? Not the love that the world has set for us, the love that Christ has set for us. Are you walking in Jesus' footprints? The second thing we need to look at is, Paul says, imitate God. We need to live in light. We need to live in light. Look at Ephesians 5, 6 through 8. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, which of course we all try to excuse and justify our sins, don't we? Every single one of us, no matter where we where we aim, we're all guilty of that. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light. From the Lord, so live as people of the light. I love how Paul says this because elsewhere in Scripture, he says to avoid darkness or don't follow darkness, stuff like that. But here, he says, You were once full of darkness. Or in other words, You were dark. I was dark. Earlier in Ephesians, we read that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, right? So we were dark. The word darkness here symbolizes the realm of sin and death. So what Paul is saying is that we were once full of sin and death, but because because Christ has forgiven us, because he's offered himself as a sacrifice for us, we are now his children. And instead of being full of darkness, we are now full of light I love what Colossians 1, 12 through 14 says. It says, He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people. Again, there's that differentiation between the world and God's people who live in light, who live in the light. There's that phrase. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, which God is light, right? (laughs) Jesus is light, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. When we confess our sins and we trust in Jesus as our Savior, Jesus transfers us from the kingdom of darkness and brings us into the kingdom of light. That word light here brings with it the idea of righteousness and life. And so when you contrast those two words, darkness, And light, you have sin and death as a product of darkness, and then you have righteousness and life as a product of light. And so Jesus transfers us from that darkness to that light. Instead of being full of darkness, we are now full of light in this world. And so, what do we do when we become the light? what do we do? For the light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. I'm going to go back here. The, The Christian life is all about The fruit we produce. So remember, Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 is all about what to believe. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 are all about how to live that out. And when you live that out, you produce fruit, the Bible calls it. And right there we see, for the light within you produces, or it bears, fruit. Well, what does it bear? When you live in the light, when you are full of light, it bears what is good, what is right, and what is true. How convicting is that in our lives? How often have we lived in such a way that's not good? How often have we made decisions in our life that are not right? And how often have we lied and told stuff that's not true? That's not what a Christian is supposed to produce. We are to produce the fruit of what is good, right, and true instead of what is evil. And that's what it talks about here. The evil and darkness in this world. We need to produce the fruit of life, and then we need to expose the darkness. Have you ever been in a really dark room, and you just have a little light? The light always overtakes the darkness, doesn't it? It always does. The darkness never wins over light. Do you get that? What a beautiful picture of the light of Christ, okay? just I just want to show just say that offhand. But one thing that we want to highlight today, I don't know if you've ever heard of the International Justice Mission. This is a amazing organization. You know what they do? They rescue and restore victims of slavery and human trafficking all over the world. It's a pretty amazing thing. Then they don't stop there. They don't just rescue these uh, people who have been trafficked. They also bring the criminals to justice. So they have lawyers upon lawyers all over the world, then actually going after those people, trafficking those people. And then they strengthen the justice systems in these cultures where trafficking is vibrant. It's a pretty amazing mission, and what they're doing is they're exposing the darkness in these countries in a very real way. And for you women uh, at our Renewed, coming up on the second Tuesday of this month, they're going to have a representative from International Justice Mission there to talk to all the women on that Tuesday. So if you're a woman, you should go out to Renewed at our Sandusky campus. It's such an amazing time where you get to be together with other women. Listen, Jesus rescues us from the darkness so that we can live in the light. But one thing I really want to say to you today is that Jesus doesn't just give us a flashlight. So now picture yourself back in that dark room again, okay? When you have a flashlight, you can only point it to a specific spot. What the church has done really wrong for a long time is that we're just a bunch of Christians with flashlights pointing out other people's sins, okay? Where it's kind of a, in our hands, and we just get to point out your sin and point out that sin and point out that sin and point out that sin. That's not what Jesus does for us. He doesn't just give us a light to point out people's sins. and Instead, we become the light, So as Christians, don't be just a flashlight pointing out other people's sins because, A, you should point the flashlight back at yourself. Rather, we should be a chandelier, shouldn't we? Chandeliers are gorgeous. I've never had one, probably will never have one, but they're pretty gorgeous, aren't they? And you know what they do? They just permeate light and they fill up a room. And so we get to be these chandeliers in this world where everywhere we go, we just get to expose people's sins. We get to be the light in whatever context that God has for us. We get to live in light. So ask yourself, am I living in the light? Am I being the light in my context? The last thing, and then we're going to be done here this morning. To imitate God, we need to live in wisdom. We need to live in wisdom. 515. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. To live in wisdom is to live in the knowledge of God and his word and put into practice and experience what God has given us to do. And so God wants us to truly make the most of every opportunity that we have. And here we see that, Ephesians 5, 16 through 17. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act, act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And so from this one verse, we see how we can live wise in this world. First, we have to understand our context. The context is right there in these evil days. Paul said that to the church in Ephesus, it's the same for you and for me. We feel the evil days every day, don't we? There's evil around us. We're in the midst of evil days, okay? That's our context, that's just where we are. What do we do about that? How do we live in the midst of these evil days? It's simple, don't act thoughtlessly, okay? Don't act thoughtlessly, which is being intentional. I kind of went out of order here. Make the most of every opportunity that God puts before you, right? So we have to live each day understanding the opportunities that God has given us. Then we need to be intentional with that. Don't act thoughtlessly. And then the last thing is to understand our purpose, understand what the Lord wants you to do. So living in wisdom means to live with a clear heart and mind focused on our mission. We need to live in wisdom But here's the deal, you can't do that alone. You can't do that without God. 518, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul's not making a statement on whether drinking is right or wrong. What he is saying to us today is that if you want to live in wisdom, You cannot allow worldly things to control you. Instead, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to control you. Do you you see that? So we're not going to get all legalistic here today, but we are going to highlight the idea that God has given us the Holy Spirit to prompt us, to move us, to help us walk in this life. And so in order to live in wisdom, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives Because that's going to lead us to wisdom and gratitude, and to gratitude. And really, the outcome of when you let the Holy Spirit lead you, look what happens. We sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit's going to move us in that direction instead of the other one. And so, as I close here today, ask yourself very simply, it's been laid out to you very plainly in the words of Ephesians. We need to imitate God, and we can do that by living in love, living in light, and living in wisdom. Are you doing that? And that path has already been set before us by Jesus. And all we need to do is to walk into his footsteps so that we can follow the path that he has laid out for you and for me. And you know what? We're gonna gonna veer off at times, aren't we? We're gonna fall at times. We're not gonna listen to the spirit at times. But that's why grace is so powerful. Because Jesus is just gonna help us back up And put us back on that path. And we're going to keep walking. And we're going to fall again. He's going to pick us back up. And he's going to put us on that path. And we're going to keep walking. And so if you find yourself struggling with this today, you're like, that's a lot to ask of me. Listen, no, it's not. All you have to do is take that first step. And I'm telling you that God is going to lead you from there. The Spirit's going to move you from there. And he's going to keep working in your heart. And so don't give up. Don't wander off because you just think Jesus doesn't care about you. That is never true. Continue to run back to Him. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the example that you have set for us through your Son, Jesus. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy along this road, along this journey of faith as we follow you. God, we are all going to fail, we all have failed. And so God, continue to renew those mercies every morning. Continue to put us back on that path so that we can follow in your footsteps. God, help us to cling to you in all we do because we know that you care for us. We know that you love us. And you ultimately gave your life for us. So help us to imitate you in all we do. We pray this in your name. Amen.